0: Hook 'em up with he and Rod P. Brought to you by Bud Light on the horn. Hey, congratulations to Austin's own uh, Black Pumas. That song right there was uh, nominated for a Grammy last Friday when the Grammy nominations were announced. SZA, I believe, SZA? had the most nominations for the Grammy's right? Wow, really? I think that was who it was. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, We'll go through some of those. Obviously, we get closer to it. But, yeah, Black Pumas, this song, nominated for the under the category of Best Rock Performance. Nice. Good Best Rock Performance. Like album that album just came out, but the song's been out for a while. But, uh, yeah, we roll on. We're talking all things weekend. Longhorns, again, uh, take a 20-point lead and make it turn into a nail-biter of a game. But that's as Rod has told you. Stop expecting difference. That's who they are. That's
1: who they are, man. As soon as you accept that, you're going to really start to enjoy this experience, and you'll start to – Gain joy from watching this team instead of dread.
0: <laughs> you know, because people just hang on every play, and I get it because I'm I'm I did. having a great time doing the in game watches on yeah. uh, on Texas football with Inside Texas, and so you you, know, you analyze every play, and but you know the big picture is you back up from it. I mean, Texas played really good in the first half, and TCU made a ton of mistakes, and that was the book on that game. Mm-hmm. Yep, that you know you called TCU the best five loss team analytically all week long. I mean, if you just look at the numbers; they're explosive. They create big plays. They've got dynamic players at running back and receiver, and a young quarterback who, when he's not making mistakes, is pretty damn good. He is. And well, how did the Longhorns build a twenty-six to six lead? Taking advantage of TCU mistakes. Uh, they had a big penalty on their first drive. They were oh, moving yeah. the ball.
1: That was that uh, was a block illegal block. Yeah, yeah.
0: Then I'm they at it. yeah. The, so they, they had a couple fifteen yard penalties in the first half that derailed drives. They did. Uh, Sonny Dykes would tell you that uh, their center missed a block on Vernon Broughton that stalled a drive. Then they kicked a field goal. Uh, They also had a, you know, gosh, you know, Tavandre Sweat just making plays, sacking quarterbacks. Oh,
1: man. But then
0: they had the two turnovers. And then they had the the critical play was the turnover that they forced of Quinn Ewers. And then receiver gets stripped uh, Mm -hmm. on the hustle play by Jordan Whittington, which was our Viking fans' defensive play of the game to come back. And Xavier Worthy also hustling his tail off to be there to recover that ball. That was a pivotal moment. And then, of course... After the Longhorns put together what I thought was their best drive of the half was that 85-yard drive from about the six-minute mark of the second quarter into the end zone, about a minute to go to take the lead into halftime, knowing TCU's getting the ball out of half. You know, their quarterback, Josh Hoover, makes the critical mistake trying to yep. force a ball that gave Texas another quick touchdown right before the half. So, that's, so yes, Texas was up 20 points, but a lot of that came from TCU mistakes, Rod. and Texas take advantage of those? Well, quite honestly, in the second half, those didn't happen. Mm-mm. and maybe, Quinn, yours uh, shoulder tightened up a little bit, and maybe, you know, um, you know. so, again, that I thought you saw in the second half, T.C.'s a pretty good team. This is what we've been talking about with Sonny Dykes and what he's been frustrated Mm-mm. with is, yep. y'all were pretty
1: dang good when we don't shoot ourselves in the
0: foot. And,
1: um, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. That's why last, they came into the game last in turnover margin in the Big 12, and I bet they're still there yeah. <laughs> because it pretty much tracked. So, you're right. I mean, that's, you know, when I look at this Texas team, and I, I start to, to come to this conclusion after the U of H game. And I've been saying it on these airwaves and on the On Texas football YouTube channel as well. Uh, for anybody who'll ask, you know, and when people start talking about, hey, this team, you know, I, we, were, we were talking about how healthy they were last, last week and how this team still has the, the chance to play to their full capability, to reach their ceiling. And my comment was, I think we're watching it. I think we're watching their ceiling. And now Longland fans don't want to hear that because they think, oh, man, they're, they think ceiling 2005 National Championship Texas team, right? That's what Longland fans thinking as a ceiling and a standard. But for this team, I think we're watching them um, really kind of define who they are and their character as a team. They They make clutch plays in critical moments they they usually show up in the second half in the fourth quarter and respond well to adversity. Now, they haven't been outscoring the teams in the fourth quarter the last two weeks uh, in, in games, and actually three out of the last four games considering that U of H game two. Um, but for the most part, considering last year they were outscored in the fourth quarter in overtime, this team is actually a, a pretty good fourth quarter team. Um, I believe prior to last two weeks they were top 15 in fourth quarter scoring. So they were responding well to adversity. They were making plays in the second half, especially in clutch critical moments, and then they were winning the fourth quarter. So this is not a four-quarter team, and they're not a dominant team, and they're not a complete team, and they are flawed, all right? But they win games, and they make winning plays when the game is on the line. And I guarantee all of us, last season, that's what we were asking for. That was our wish list. Our wish list was, man, I wish they would respond better in the second half. And I wish they would make clutch plays in critical moments. I wish they had the clutch gene this team. Man, I wish they were a fourth-quarter team. They just seem to show up in the first quarter, but not in the fourth quarter. And all those boxes have been checked. So at this point, I'm done praying and wishing, and they become something they're not. I'm all about appreciating what they are. And what they are is a flawed team that finds a way to win games in clutch moments. And I'm okay with that. And I, that's why I find joy watching this team. Now. Most long Island fans, y'all are upset watching it. Y'all, you know, y'all dread the way they're winning games, and I get it. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to consume the product in that way because now I, based on the sample size and all the film I've watched, I know what this team is, and so I don't necessarily expect them to morph into something unrealistic that they aren't they are a flawed team they're bad in goal line they're bad in red zone they're bad in two minute defense um they're bad their pass defense is mediocre to subpar right <laughs> they have a tough time with pass perceives I can go over the list of what they are but also I'll go over the list of what they are They're clutch the clutch most
0: importantly and the clutch
1: they're- man that's why they're one
0: well, <laughs> let's, hear, let's hear Sark from uh, Saturday night. This was his, uh, his immediate thoughts with the media after holding on for the 29-26 win. And I would say, give the other team credit. You're playing, a, you, know, uh, you know, K-State battled back because of Texas mistakes. I felt like TCU stopped making mistakes at home, and that allowed them to get back in the game. I agree with you, and man. they found a running game yep. uh, with Imani Bailey, which opened up some things over the middle with the receiving. And look, let's say this, Josh Hoover is the future of that position. He's a good player. You know, I tried to tell you, Josh Hoover's going to be a good player <laughs> yeah, beyond. I mean, mm-hmm. I think TCU fans can be excited about that young guy finding his way because he can make some throws now. Uh, but as a young quarterback, he made some throws he wishes he had back. And either way, that's a that's a that's a team that to watch for in the future because of that guy playing quarterback. Hey, but let's hear Sark right after the L win, twenty nine twenty six. Pretty excited to get out of there with a W. Longhorns have been three and eight in their last eleven matchups with TCU. They get the victory.
2: Just another, another way that our guys continue to find ways to win games. I, I, again, I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but the versatility of this team, uh, the heart and resiliency that this team shows, the ability to, uh, to make plays at, at critical moments when we needed them the most showed up. You know, tonight the offense had to possess the ball at the end of the game, and we were able to do that heck of a play by A.D. Uh, and Quinn. A week ago, the defense had to get the stop. So the idea that, that we can win either way I, I thought was impressive. Uh, I thought for three quarters, we played really good football. Um, you know what, what a great play by Jordan Winnington to, to strip the ball after the interception. I thought that was a critical play in the ball game. Um, I thought having Quinn back was, was really effective for us. It was unfortunate that throw got away from him on that one. Uh, but he made some really nice plays for us throwing the ball. Uh, but, but in the fourth quarter, it was unfortunate. We, we couldn't convert a third down. And then they were scoring quick. And our, we didn't tackle very good late in the game in the fourth quarter. Uh, and, and they were scoring quick. And then we couldn't stay on the field because you know we were having a hard time converting third and threes and, and twos and whatnot. So uh, as always, there's things to work on. Um, but it sure feels good to be 9 and 1. And um, it's, a, it's great to get a, a conference you know victory on the road. Uh, against a good football team. you know th- th- Their record is not indicative of how good they are. I know they've lost a lot of one-score games. Uh, I've been there before. That's tough. Uh, but but Sonny's got a good team, and, and they-, they continue to fight tonight, and they, they took us all the way to the end. And so, um, like I said, uh, I think that's what championship teams do. They find a way to win. And I'm very proud of our team. And um, got to get healthy, and we got to get ready to go again next week.
0: All right, so there was Sark saying a lot of things we just said. We found a way, and uh, last week against K-State it was the defense standing up in the big spot this week. It was the offense.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what a team does, right? Uh, Somebody's got to pick up the slack. Not every phase is going to play great football every week. And somebody's got to go out there and make the play. Somebody to make a play. So, uh, we'll talk about C.J. Stroud uh, probably March around the day because I want to talk about uh, his performance. But one of the things he said in the huddle before their game-winning drive, he said before game-winning drives, he always like he has to take four to five seconds to encourage his, his players. He said, "I just told them, boys, let's go win this game. We got everything we need in this huddle right here. Somebody make a play. Yeah, that was the end of it. Somebody, make, somebody go make a play." We got eleven guys out here been working their ass off all off season. All right, we know what to do. We know how to execute the schemes. We we we're playing for each other. Somebody go make a play. Yeah. Somebody go make a play. And A.D. Mitchell. Go make a play. Go make a play, Somebody go make make a play. And that's what's happening with this team, though. All season long. It's been one or two guys here or there going to make a play. And and ultimately that's the team. The defense had an an off game uh the second half, right? They were off. And it looked like if T. They ball back, um, you know, if TCU got the ball back, they probably would have scored because yeah. <laughs> the way things were looking right there. But, you know, you found a way to make a play. Jonathan Brooks went down that game. The, sta- the chips were stacked against you. You were on the road. They got on a roll.
0: They got on the road. Yeah, no. but, again, one of the things, because I watch a ton of NFL in addition to college football, it's, you know, this Longhorn season, and in a lot of ways, college football is becoming more like the NFL, that it does come down to a few possessions most of the time. Uh, you know, they not. I think transfer portal has brought a little more parity mm-hmm. to the to the thing, totally and so it's a little bit more like you. the NFL. Yeah. Uh, and you watch NFL games. I mean, it's you know, Ravens were up twenty four to nine on the Browns at home, lost the game uh, because De- Deshaun Watson got in the end zone and then Lamar Jackson got a ball tipped. It was picked for an interception, ended up losing that ball game. Yep. Uh, in the in the game you mentioned, and you know, it's amazing to see CJ Stroud being talked about as the MVP of the league. It's but crazy. but Houston's five and four and. The Carolina game continues to just stick in my craw. Uh, they should have won that game. They'd they should have won that game. They'd be 6-3 and, and sitting right in the heart of the AFC playoff mm-hmm. race, which so they are already. But C.J. Stroud, there's so much to love about the guy uh, as we get to know him more. Of course, he started at Ohio State. But, you know, hearing him talk about how he went to Ohio State from California because it was the harder path, like it would have been in taking him out of his comfort zone. He could have stayed on the West Coast, played out there. But he, he, he looked up to Tom Brady, mm-hmm. and he said, Tom Brady went from where I live to Michigan and played in the cold, and played in the Big Ten, and had to learn a whole new thing. He said, that's why I went to Ohio State, because it was harder. Mental uh, toughness. A mental toughness. Yep. And now here he is as a rookie, starring. And uh, the thing I loved about him yesterday, Rod, he made some world-class throws for three and a half quarters of that game. And he was, he was out dueling Joe Burrow in Joe Burrow's building. And they built a 10-point lead, Rod. It was 27-17, to and Joe Burrow made the critical mistake. He threw an interception that should have ended the game. They did yeah. But shortly after – Came back. CJ Stroud threw a pick mm-hmm. that gave them life, and Joe Burrow comes alive on the sidelines. That's a go-ahead touchdown for Joe Burrow. And they come back down. And, no, yeah. they, they come back at a at three, and then they had another three and out where he tried yeah. to hit Tank Dell on a long one. So they, you know, it's, so then Joe Burrow took him down, kicked a field goal, where Tyler Boyd, the receiver for Cincinnati, dropped a touchdown pass would have won the game. Uh, he mm-hmm. dropped it. But they had to kick a field goal. So now it's 27-all. And I, this was what I was eager to see as a fan of CJ Stroud was, okay – He'd been great for most of the game. Then he makes a couple of mistakes, and he might have gave this game away. Uh, But they left him with a minute, and you just said what he said going into the huddle. That was incredible. He took him down the field, and he sets up the rookie kicker to make a field goal. That tells me all I need to know about the guy. He put, put the, the bad series in the past, mm-hmm. uh, and as you just said, told his team, let's go make a play. That was pretty darn awesome uh, for a young quarterback who's doing things week by week that we've never seen before from a rookie quarterback. All right, let's get Rod's rant. It's going to be on a similar track, I believe, but that was good stuff coming out of the Longhorns, finding ways to win games. Let's get to the rant.
1: All right, now, I just read uh, Peter King's column, <clears throat> uh, football, uh, football Morning in America, and he is one of, three or four uh, MVP uh, voters who have said openly via Twitter or on some open platform uh, that they believe that C.J. Stroud should be in the MVP race, that he should openly be in the MVP conversation. Now, he currently is just among rookie quarterbacks, all right He actually is leading the NFL in passing yards per game um, right now for all quarterbacks? Yes, right through nine games, he's leading the NFL in passing yards per game 291 yards per game through nine games, at least the league. last time a rookie led the league in passing yards. Davy O'Brien, 1939. <laughs> long time ago, you got to go. An award
0: named after him. I know that. Yeah, it's been a
1: long, <laughs> long time, right? Um, but CJ Stroud. I mean, this is this is why teams thinks he should, thinks uh, at least not teams, but uh, different pundits and analysts thinks think that he should be in the MVP conversation. Uh, he not only leads the, the NFL in passing yards per game, but he leads the NFL in completions, pass yards, and passing first downs on third and fourth down. He is top two in the NFL in passing. Uh, touchdowns and passer rating in the fourth quarter. That's also in passing yards in the fourth quarter. He leads the NFL in touchdown-interception ratio and passer rating when trailing from behind. And he leads the NFL in deep passing yards as well right now, too. You can look at his deep ball, which is something I was a little shocked at. Didn't think the Texans had explosive uh, receivers, but they do uh, if you, in this offense. C.J. Stroud, um, in 20-plus yard passes downfield. Uh, Highest completion percentage at 65%, uh, the most passing yards on 20-plus yard uh, passes, and the highest passer rating at 147.5 passer rating on 20-plus yard passes downfield. And he is the first quarterback and rookie quarterback in 40 years to lead two game-winning drives in back-to-back weeks uh, on, I think, on drives that were less than two minutes left in the game, on those game-winning drives. Um, and on throws ten plus yards uh through the air. He's number one in the NFL in completions in the last uh three games and passing yards and touchdowns in the last three games. He he really is right now playing like not only a top ten quarterback, there was there's some that believe he's hovering around playing like, not saying he is, playing like a top five quarterback right now. Well I think which the numbers
0: would indicate anything. unheard of for a rookie. Well, as somebody watched every snap yesterday, I'll tell you what was so pleasing about yesterday's game, what I mentioned. But, uh, you know, that's why I keep saying that Carolina game, because Houston came out of their bye week and went and lost at Carolina. It's Carolina's only win to this point, And it's one that – it'll hurt them big picture, because they, they, they're they five and four, which is impressive. Should have beat Atlanta too. Yeah, they should have beat Atlanta. But, you know, <laughs> that's the one you're coming off your bye week. You're going on the road. It's tough to win on the road. But this is a team in Houston that's already beaten Jacksonville and Jacksonville. Now they've beaten Cincinnati and Cincinnati. They beat Pittsburgh at home. They beat the Saints. I mean, they've beaten some pretty decent teams. Uh, but this was a team, and this was let me set the table for this game. This is why I would argue that he should be in the MVP debate. Rod, this team played. They, this the, the Bengals had won five in a row. They were. I mean, they're playing great football. Joe Burrow was was you know the, the the highest rated passer in the in the league in the last month. And it's not – so the, the exciting part for Houston fans, it wasn't just CJ. They went in there. They fell behind 7 to nothing. Uh Joe Burrow hit, you know, a long touchdown pass to start the game. But from that point on, Houston outplayed the hell out of Cincinnati. This is what was exciting yesterday, Rod. They ran for 150 yards. Devin Singletary ran for 150 mm-hmm. yards and a touchdown. They finally got their offensive line going. They finally got their run game going. And they dominated that game. They went from 7-0 down to being up 27-17. to So they outscored them 27-10. to in their building, and it was the, the late, you know, final three-and-a-half-minute mistakes that almost cost them the game. But, man, there's something to like about that because not only do you have a quarterback who's playing to that level, the offensive line's getting better and buying in. They're getting healthier up front. They've got pretty much everybody back except for the center now on the offensive line. And, you know, they played that game yesterday, Rod, without Nico Collins, their best receiver who was out with an injury, and they played without Damian Pierce, Yeah, who didn't uh, play. So you had five starters out, and they still really outplayed Cincinnati for four quarters in their building. That's pretty good.
1: Yeah, I told you they would make that game interesting. And you laughed at me last week. I was like, I'm telling you they're going to make that game interesting, man, because the Texans are playing good ball if you're watching them. And I not know. only made it interesting, they won that game. And you're right. They had their uh, leading receiver out, the leading rusher out, the leading tackler out. Starting safety was also out. And, of course, they didn't have a kicker. Their starting kicker. They had to go get a kicker from the XFL um, and found a way to win that game. And here's something else, too about that Texas offense versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati's defense is no slouch. I mean, Lou Anarumo is a damn good defensive coordinator. They, had, they, they tied for the fourth most explosive plays by an offense in an NFL game since 2000. The Texans offense recorded 17 explosive plays against the Bengals, guys. That was the fourth most, tied for the fourth most explosive plays in a game in the last 23 years. Damn. That's what I'm saying. This well, Without their leading receiver and without their leading rusher, that's it. And this offensive line has been a mass unit. The Texans do have something special right now going with C.J. Stroud and this offense, and they haven't even really added premier weapons. Like, these are just the guys they got to kind of fill in the gaps. By the way, Dalton Schultz, man, Dalton Schultz is easily, in my opinion, it's C.J. Stroud's favorite safety blanket. He's not the leading receiver, but when there's a money down and a play where C.J. Stroud needs it, He's going to look to Dalton Schultz. You're right
0: about that. He He's going to look had, to him. He had four catches for 71 yards. I mean, the big guy yesterday was <laughs> Noah Brown. He was seven for 172, and he had a bunch of those explosive plays you're talking about. Tank yeah, Dell had six for 56. John Mechie got on the field. Now, the, I mean, the reason I, I laughed when you said they because I thought the Bengals were playing as the class of the AFC going into that game. And I didn't expect Houston to get over almost 200 yards rushing in that game. That's true. Their offensive line yeah. finally – this is why it gets real exciting because if, they, if the offensive line continues to evolve and they get Damian Pierce back to go with Devin Singletary, mm-hmm. now they have a running game, get yeah. Nico Collins healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing that happened yesterday, Will Anderson was back on the field, their number three overall pick out of Alabama, opposite Jonathan Gennard. Sheldon Rankins, their defensive tackle, played a hell of a game. They just – they are you know, D'Amico, this is the other part. D'Amico Ryans is a good coach. I mean, they're getting yeah, better. That's true. And this is what's exciting. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a big road win. I, I did not anticipate that. I just kind of – you know, in the NFL, you kind of chalk up some tough ones. That's going to be you – know, that's why losing that Carolina game. God, we needed that road win if we're going to make the playoffs. I
1: advantage ain't what it used to be in the league anymore. You're right about that. Yeah, last two years, it's really dissipated.
0: But to, to go into Joe Burrow's – Joe Cool's house and be cooler than him, that he's a he's Ohio State guy. Oh, now. I know. He's so he
1: he was bit. feeling he was feeling real swaggy out there. Now he's out there hand well, gesturing to the it, crowd, and everything. Well,
0: and here's because the, the anticipation was okay. He's not going to surprise anybody anymore. There's too much tape on this guy. They're doing the deep dive. You're but right. if you can put a run game with it, and what you saw yesterday, once they started to run the ball, and most yeah. of it, a lot of it was right behind Laramie Tunsell, who played a great game at left tackle, mm-hmm. and Titus Howard at left guard. Damian Devin Singletary got 30 carries yeah. for a buck 50. And they played a lot off that. And then CJ Stroud, guys, just I'm just telling you, if you haven't watched him and you're thinking, guys tap the brakes, this guy makes throws that you haven't seen a lot of people make the throws he makes. Nope. With the quick release. I agree. With uh, that, into man. tight coverage, it's seeing crazy. windows that other quarterbacks directs aren't seeing. I mean, it's not even fandom here. This is just oh my gosh, did you see that throw? Yeah. Like he just he made a throw the other to Dalton Schultz where yep. it threw it to his right ear where the defender was here and he just I mean it is almost he is he's very his ball placement his ability to put the ball where it needs to be and anticipate that are pretty damn high level. Uh, this comes at the same time where Cowboys fans are excited because Dak Prescott's playing as well as he's maybe ever played. I agree with that. Yeah, and I know it was against the Giants, but he played equally as good against the Eagles who were pretty damn good. Uh, so both Texas teams have quarterbacks that are playing at a high level. That's fun. Uh, Longhorns may have a quarterback who's not 100%, Rod. I think we would fair concern. to say. Yeah. That's a concern. We'll talk about that. There's Rod's rant. We'll come back. We'll pick up those conversations. We'll talk about Quinn Yours, uh, the level of health. I mean, I think uh, you take his stat line, 317 yards and big throw late to seal the deal. But uh, we'll talk about that situation with the Longhorns. And it's that time of year, Rod. The dominoes are beginning to fall. Jimbo mm-hmm. Fisher let go at A&M yesterday.
1: Coaching carousel.
0: Now two more coaches in the mm-hmm. SEC have been let go. We'll oh, tell you who coming next. coming next on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. I shot the sheriff, I Aaron Hogan, Rod the Babers, Babers Hook'Em Up, 1019-AM-1260, The I Horn. The sheriff, All right, good stuff coming in on the uh, C.J. Stroud dis- discussion. This is Texans also have a really good core of young wide receivers. They do. This is Bobby Slowick, also has a brass set, not scared to let C.J. force the ball down the field, play after play. They can move the ball, fun to watch. I, you said last week, Rod, I mean, whether they can beat Cincinnati or not, I wasn't sure. But it's must see TV right now to watch this guy play and to see Define. him go head to head with Joe Burrow and Jamar yeah. Chase. That was a fun football game. Yeah, uh, there was a lot of bad football played yesterday. That, that between that game and then the Detroit Chargers game, mm-hmm.
1: Ravens and Browns game Ooh, was just, that was fun to watch. That, that was wild. just a war, right? Yeah, they went after it. I, oh. I, and I'll, I'll give the Browns some props, man. Found a way to pull it out. I thought the Ravens were going to win the game because of how good the Ravens defense well, was. Look, the well, look, they're up twenty four to
0: nine. Well, Beckham Jr. scored a forty yard touchdown and yeah. they were up. They're like, they're, they're going to blow this game out. No, well, no, not really. Uh, so, yeah, Baltimore's really good. Uh, but Houston has shown – the thing, again, the, re- the reason to, with the good core receivers and this was what I kind of thought about the, what Houston could be during the offseason, Rod, when they had invested in their offensive line. Mm-hmm. And they're going to bring a young quarterback. And you thought, okay, he'll have a run game that will hold him up. Uh, that's what we all thought. And he instead, needed. he's outperformed without a run game. And now, <laughs> now you're giving him a run game potentially moving forward because that's mm-hmm. not a bad Cincinnati defense no. that they're going up against.
1: Oh, and and, Lou and Lou- 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 was one of the better D.C.s in the NFL.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and they've been hot. I mean, they've beaten Cincinnati. At, I mean, Cincinnati went into San Francisco and beat the Niners right before their bye, and they won last week. I mean, they're, that's a good team uh and it felt like they were hitting their stride so uh it's one of the stories obviously without you know Chiefs are off and the Jalen Hurts and the Eagles are off yesterday the Dolphins are off so uh CJ Stroud and Dak Prescott getting some getting some love today rightfully for their performances uh for sure uh but so yeah we'll take your thoughts on that uh with the the Texans and Cowboys we're also talking Longhorns obviously and uh, uh embracing this team and what they are it's uh the Cardiac Longhorns, Rod. <laughs> uh, they, just, they just are. Just go ahead and accept that. And understand each game is going to play out for 60 minutes, and if you can find a way to win it. And Now, I do agree with those. Say, you know, several people said, Rod, you're spot on about just to accept what they are. You'll find joy in this team. It's true. But it's also true the text are saying eventually it'll, you'll, you, your luck will run out. Uh, the coin will land on tails.
1: Yes, yes. But what, what was your projection for the Longhorns before the season started? Right. Did, you, did you have them undefeated? Probably not. Did you have them with 11 wins? Probably not. You probably had them 10-2 or 9-3. So my point is, you, everybody let that Bama game distort their expectation for the team, and that's fine, but understand that was one performance, and why was it such an outlier? Why? Why? They prepared for that game for eight months. Right? Prepared for that game for so long, and they came out, and they beat Nick Saban, and they beat Bama. Good. But Bama's a different team now, because Bama's been getting better week to week. Now, does Texas get better week to week? No. Do they win every week? Yeah, they find a way to win week to week. But they're not necessarily getting better week to week. And there's a difference. And I think Lohan fans, they're upset because they wanted to see this team from that Bama game get better week to week. If they had, we'd be talking about the best team in the country right now. Well, and as but they said, don't get better week to week. Right. They are, with, are at this point. We're Guys, we got two games left. They're not going to drink Red Bull and grow wings overnight and become 2005 Texas. They are what they are. Yeah, they're stop, a flawed stop team. Stop expecting that. Because yeah.
0: <laughs> well, the, there, there are stretches in games where they kind of look like that. It's like, damn. Yes. But that's what makes but they're a team stretching like They
1: look like 2012 Texas, too. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
0: that's exactly right. <laughs> right. Well, and that's what makes – a team like the 2005 Longhorns so special. I mean, those teams don't come along very often. Amen, they play 60 minutes of dominant football Mm-mm. game, and Vince is pushing it. And, you know, guys like Casey Studdard are out there saying, you know, because, I mean, we've talked to those guys. You've seen the, the, the Rose Bowl specials over oh, and yeah. over again. You know, those guys bar every game was USC. dominant, So they played every game yep. like they were playing USC. The but national
1: title. But it takes a
0: program to evolve to that, and it mm-hmm. took seven year, eight years for Mac Brown to get the program there. And I'll say this: I'll, I'll repeat something that uh, Bobby Bowden was famous for saying, the great uh, Florida State coach, who you nearly went to play for. Right? Mm-hmm. His theory in building a program was you're going to lose big early if you build the program right. Bobby Bowden's philosophy was you're going to lose big early, essentially because you're going to run off your the, those yeah. guys Start and bring in scratch. your guys. Yeah. And you're going to build the foundation. Then you're going to lose close. Then you're going to win close and then you're going to win big. That's the, 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 the way of a program. And to, you know, if, you're, if you're buying into Sark here, that's kind of on where he is. He you know, came in and inherited what he did. He, you know, the fact that he convinced enough of these guys who were part of that team to stick with it and stay that are centerpieces of this team are is encouraging for his ability to connect with players. And yeah. I'm a big fan of coaches who don't say, well, that theirs and those aren't my guys. No, once you sign that check, Coach, they're your guys. Those are your players. Yep. Now, now it's fair for that coach then to say, well, you're either with us or against us, and the guys that didn't buy in get on and get going, uh, and then we'll build with the ones that are still here. But that's been the, the course of Sark so far. And, you know, does that mean mm-hmm. down the road they're going to get to where they win big? Possibly. But I think you have to crawl before you can walk, and then you have to run walk before you can run, Rod. Yep. And give Sark at least this credit. They're winning these games that they lost last year. They're They're – playing with culture. They're playing for one another, and, you know, that's that's a step. That's a big step. Huge step. And I know they do at times drive you crazy because they look like the, the old 05 Longhorns for about
1: ten minutes of a ball game. You're like, damn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, keep that up, guys. Keep exactly. that up. That's not easy to do. You know it's in them, <laughs> but also it's in them. Like I said, is that 2012 or 2011 Longhorn team? somehow comes They basically – this is a team that can – play elite stretches of complementary football for about, I'm talking about, like you said, a 10- to 12-minute stretch. And when they do that, they separate from their opponents. We've seen it time and time again. Every, you can almost name the, the game and name the stretch. <laughs> when, they, when they separate from their opponents, you go, damn, it was a close game until they, they went supernova on that. Bing, them. bong, boom. Yes, but they all, just like the gift and the curse, right, the yin and the yang, they also have a similar stretch in the same game where they have a lapse and a lull. And almost all three phases get distracted. And all three phases perform at a subpar level. And basically you're just dealing with that in both ends. And we saw it in the last game, right? We saw a stretch into the first half. They're like, damn, they pulled away and made a 20-point lead. You went, okay. I, we were doing a live broadcast together on Texas football. And we went, might be a blowout. This might be when you see, you know, this team play four four quarters and then they come out and you see the lapse, right, in that lull uh, uh, in performance in the second half. I think it was like the late third, in the fourth quarter. But the Kim Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams-Size, Cardi B-Size, Megan Thee-Size, but even though you're going to get that yin the yang, the good and the bad in both games, they have, at the end, found a way to make winning plays, clutch plays in critical moments. The problem is lately that lull is happening, it's creeping closer and closer to the end of the game. And that's because at the, at, the, at the beginning of the season, it wasn't necessarily at the, in the fourth quarter, right? We saw it in the lull in the second quarter. We've seen that lull, hell, in the Wyoming game. It was like the entire first half of the game, yeah. right? But now the problem that makes Longhorn fans uneasy is that that lull it's coming right before the end of the game. <laughs> and you basically are trending toward a loss. You're trending toward a loss. Now, I agree with that. Long they are trending toward another L because now we've seen in three of the last four games, they have that lull, that bad stretch of football in the fourth quarter, at the beginning of the fourth. So, like, ten minutes of the fourth quarter, you're playing bad football, and then you bail yourself out with a great game-winning goal line stand, or you bail yourself out with a great A.D. Mitchell catch. Well... You know, you walk that that you walk that tightrope for so long. It's only so long before you, you're going to fall off that thing, or something disastrous is going to happen. I think that's why Longhorn fans are freaking out. But like I said, I I didn't have him as an eleven win team. I didn't have him undefeated. I had him as a ten and two team. Me too. Because I knew that th- that would happen at one point, and I it still could. That second loss could be coming. Unfortunately, guys, to Iowa State of Tech, and I hate to say that because. They are trending that way. <laughs> well, I, t- State <laughs> and State just, just lost Jay Brooks.
0: Uh, Iowa State just played a hell of a game at BYU. They, they dominated yeah. in Provo. There you go. So look, this is that that's a scary game, and now you don't have Jonathan Brooks, and that's a shame. And Sark said maybe Ty, Ty could find this sound in the post game where yeah, we, we, we have to find that killer instinct. That's our mm-hmm. next step. we got to be able to foot, put a foot on a throat. But as I say, there's also two sides to this. TCU stopped making mistakes and that helped them get going. Yes, sir. Uh, I think Sonny Dykes would have said, yeah, we would have had more points on the board in the first half if we weren't shooting ourselves in the foot. Dang it. Uh, and that's what they didn't do in the second half, which allowed them to get some momentum on their home field. You know, The week previous, it was your quarterback got out of sorts and a young quarterback mm-hmm. made some mistakes and all of a sudden he was swirling and uh, that led to it. And maybe in this game too, the combination of TCU's improvement and Stop making mistakes and Quinn Yours maybe re aggravated something. Yep. And that led to, to, to some struggles. But uh, yeah, but, but just enjoy the ride. Enjoy this team. They very enjoy well the could man. lose the names, right? I mean, the fact you wanted that's the other part when you hear, I, I got onto some of the message boards yesterday. And I'm so like, because as this texture says, uh, I, I love being at the top 10 in the country for the first time in 15 years, but I'm so frustrated. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> That
1: is every logon, man. I'm so I'm so angry about being good. Yeah, as you, you've only beaten TCU three
0: times in the last decade that plus. So true. Take the win, man. Uh, uh, don't apologize for it. But yes, it'll get you beat at some point. And now you have yes. you have a big hurdle to climb with Jonathan Brooks. Um, you know, maybe as big a hurdle as, especially with the stretch you have left. Than you know, when you lost Quinn yours for a couple games. I mean, I agree. I, mean, I think this, it's bigger.
1: Might be. I think it might be bigger. He's such a big yeah. part of their offense, it's huge, man.
0: Because when Quinn was down, you could lean on Jonathan. And you can lean on that running game. Yeah, uh, and it was it was, and he's been so good. I mean, we're talking about, we're talking about the Doak Walker. I mean, you talking about the best running back in the country. Yep. Uh, that is that is it. Let's hear from Sark. This may not be the cut about killer instinct, but Sark did say after the game was asked about culture and confidence, which is that next step, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost like last year they stood around and figured out how we're going to lose this game. Uh, you know, how are we going to You know, screw this thing up. This year they're trying to figure out a way to win it, even though they might be struggling. Here's Sark on the, the culture of his team.
2: It stems from our culture it stems from these guys believe and they believe in one another and they believe in themselves um i i would say in previous years our first year i don't know if we believed last year i think we thought we there was moments that can we okay we can you know this year i don't think they have any doubt like we're gonna win the game it's just a matter of how and when your numbers called i don't think that the guys blink when their numbers called and I don't think if another guy's number's called or the other side of the balls, they believe we're going to make the play that needs to be made. But I think all that stems back to our culture, that these guys believe in one another. Um, they do everything out of love for one another. Um, and and that, that's taken a lot of work to get us to this point. And, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to build on the culture as we're building and improving as a football team.
0: Yep, and that's go. kind of the goal. And you can mm-hmm. only – you know, it's, it's one of those things, Rod, you can only fix so many things over one offseason into the next. Right? Exactly. You've got to keep building it. Be, keep building it.
1: That's a great point. Some of these issues that we are talking about with this team, they are offseason issues. You're not going to fix them during the season. Uh, you'd hope that you would get better and improve on red zone offense and some of these things during goal line, uh, short yards during the season. But um, the coaches are still trying to solve those problems. But that's why I think this season is special is because – in spite of these issues that we have brought up, in spite of some of the shortcomings of this team, 9-1. I mean... Guys, I'd much rather be complaining and criticizing the nine and one team than the team that's, you know, you know, a seven win team at this point or a six win team. Uh, that's what I think is important about this journey: is so they find a way to win these these close games. And like I said, lately this will be the biggest test for Stark because lately not only is his team trending toward a loss <laughs> because they're having their bad lapses in the fourth quarter. But now you lost what well, maybe the identity of your football, your offense, um, in Jonathan Brooks, and definitely the best surprise story of the season. And your quarterback may be hurt. So here's the thing: how does how does Sark now deal with the loss of the the identity of your running game, which is Jonathan Brooks? You could just say, oh, well, you go you go more pass first because you got a lot of weapons. You got NFL talent at wide receiver, NFL talent at tight end. You'll just become a more pass-heavy team. And I agree that that's a simple solution to that problem, but. Your quarterback's dealing with an injury. You don't know the severity of the injury, the pain tolerance you see. So are you fine with just going pass heavy and going, um, you know, one-dimensional in terms of your offensive attack when your quarterback is dealing with an injury so he may be exposed more with that injury if you're throwing the ball more? And also he may be re-aggravating that thing. We talked about how it looks like it got weaker. Maybe it got weaker over the stretch of time. Maybe it just wasn't as strong. You could – aggravate, exacerbate all those issues with your quarterback status physically if you're just going to be a throw-heavy team. So these are all things that I know Sark is, you know, balancing right now. Well, and again, yeah, and each, each,
0: each game is its own puzzle, right? And, you know, you pointed out all last week to anybody that would listen that, you know, TCU will present problems to Texas because their strengths play right into some Texas weaknesses. Yep. Pass coverage, tempo offense, spread veer, the Kendall Bryles, Art Bryles, Jeff Lebby-Tree, the they're sharing Tex. No,
1: they are. They're going to have some cheat codes <laughs> on you.
0: Uh, and, you know, playing on the road, TCU, Sunny Dykes, all those things. I mean, uh, TCU's had the ownership of Texas. Uh, so, but here's Iowa State. This is your next puzzle. You can play a lower-scoring game here and still get out of there with a win because your defense is good enough. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is. They are. Okay. Uh, this is, now, they scored 45 points last week at BYU, which surprised a lot of people. But, but you yeah. know, Rocco Beck threw for 200 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. This is a game where you can go on the road and, and – you know, try to win a low-scoring game. I mean, really let your defense um, – you know, this is a young quarterback as well that's not – they don't have the, the dynamic receivers like Xavier Hutchins like they had last year. So we'll scout this Iowa State team, but you can, you can lean on your defense and hopefully your run game. That's why the Jonathan Brooks injury is so big. Mm-hmm. But can you saddle up C.J. Baxter? Can you get more reps in practice this week for a guy like Jaden Blue and Savion Red? Maybe he comes from more of a factor just as a running back. Could be. Just as a yeah, running just back. hand it off to him. Yeah, uh, I will say this. If Sark's able to win this game Sunday or Saturday, Ooh. 7 o'clock at night in Ames. Get to 10, baby. Get to 10 wins. You realize that that's – so if we win Saturday night in Ames, Steve Sarkeesian in the last 20 games at Texas would move improved to 16-4, and 12-3 in the conference, 6-1 and 1 on the road mm-hmm. if they win Saturday. Yeah. Four wins against ranked opponents. So this is the turn that if you're, if you're micromanaging play-by-play in every quarter and every drive, I get. But big picture – this thing has turned pretty dramatically from five and seven in year one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last twenty games, and this is a chance to put yourself in a place where, as you say, Rod, you come back home the week, the Friday after Thanksgiving, with a chance to be eleven and one. I mean, 11. come on, man—that's that, that's rarefied air.
1: Double digit wins, periods, is where it rarefied yeah, air. Yeah, for never, Sark, it's something he's never never, accomplished, never done that. And for Texas, you've done it what once since two thousand nine had a double digit win. Well, season. and if
0: the Bobby Bowden, you know, bromide is true, then. Well, you know, this group of leaders is teaching this younger group, okay, guys, here's how you win. You step up and you make plays in critical moments. You're at your best in the most important moments, and hopefully this group learns to take it to the next level, uh, yeah. which would be let's start closing some games. Let's start with that killer instinct. I uh, Because there's no doubt that Sark is bringing in the talent and his staff behind it because a lot of this is being done with guys that they inherited. I mean, Jonathan Brooks was here when they got here. Tavondre Sweat was here when they got here. Byron Murphy was here when they got here. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Ford. I mean, these are dudes. I mean, Christian Jones. These are guys that uh, have bought into the new culture and are excited to be a part of it. And I, was, I appreciated Sark saying that after the postgame, that, that he's really excited for these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that, right. that bought into – because they could have said, you know what, I'm going to transfer out, Coach. We've heard those stories many times. Uh, I'm going to go play somewhere else, and you would understand it. Uh, just like all the Aggie players right now are trying to figure out what they're going to do. Hey. You know, you've got to make a decision.
1: You do. And, you know, like I said, there are certain guys that come to play at Texas and certain guys that come to play for Texas. So it's like the, the guys that, he, that Sark inherited – You know, a lot of those guys, they came to play for Texas. Uh, They didn't come to play at Texas. Uh, So that's a difference. They want to know what they can do to help bring the brand and help bring the program back to prominence, um, back to respectability, um, back to being a feared program, feared and respected. And I think they're on their way to doing that. And I think, you know, that's why Sark has been able to to really revamp this culture so successfully. It's because of that buy-in of those guys he inherited that went through, ooh, they, they, they had to crawl through it like uh <laughs> they, had, they had to they go through the worst of it you know losses to Kansas and losses to uh inferior opponents and uh come out on top and I think that's been a big part of why the culture has changed because those guys uh they they definitely committed to it
0: yeah yep. and hopefully it's being instilled into the players that are guys. coming yep. yep and that just becomes the standard uh and, and you're bringing in a lot of talent uh you know that right now
1: they're playing a young, lot of young talent too they are they're all right we'll come guys. back
0: when we do we'll go a little who said that rod a lot who of sound from the weekend we'll hit some who said that also our fabulous fifth hour we'll be on tap uh, to start our work week and start your monday here on hook em up with ian Rodbick.
3: who said that who said that
0: who said that, who said that? All right, coming up top of the hour, we'll tell you and introduce you to who the new Houston Astros manager will be at a news conference this morning. Not surprising. Also, who the top candidates are to replace Jimbo Fisher. I also, preview Steve Sarkeesian's Game Week news conference coming up. Also, Rod will take us behind the Burn orange curtain one more time. But, Rod, it's time for Who Said That? And I want to know if you know which college football coach had this to say after their game on Saturday. I, mean, I thought the officiating was terrible and embarrassingly bad, um, but – you know we have to be able to overcome it. I mean, I think everybody in the country saw saw that display tonight, and probably wasn't real proud of the effort those officials had tonight. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Mm, <laughs> Gundy. No, that was Son- that? that was Sunny D. Oh, that's
1: Sunny D. Something like Gundy Dike. out there. I thought it was Gundy for a minute.
0: No, it's kind of a echoey thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, I thought the officiating performance out there tonight was embarrassingly bad. They should be ashamed. Essentially, of what he said.
1: I know Longhorn fans thought they would be getting shafted by the officiating. Actually, Longhorns have gotten the benefit of a lot of officiating. He this was year. most
0: mad about the two-point it's conversion there. Pass interference, no call.
1: Um. Yeah, I mean, you could have called it. It would have been pretty ticky tacky. But I think you could have called it because I don't think he grabbed him. I don't either. He just put. He had his hands on him when the ball was in the air. But I don't know if he grabbed him. You could have. I guess you could have called it because he wasn't looking back for the football. So he wasn't necessarily playing the ball. He was just playing the man. And, and that's probably why you could have called.
0: It. And props to Sark because he politicked for it last week
1: and got himself a couple of holding calls and pass interference calls. He did get some holding calls. Yep, yeah, he did. You're right. He did get some holding calls. He didn't get that uh, pass interference, but holding just as good. I'll take it. Yeah. yeah first down. That. Yeah. First exactly. Down. <laughs> I said, like, oh, nope. I'll take that. No, no question about it. It's good stuff. Um, all right. Uh, tie sent you a couple. Don't play the um, the, uh, the 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 Coach Campbell one. Let's not play that because I'm not sure if it's clean because Dan Campbell likes to freestyle sometimes. <laughs> he makes yeah, I know sure.
0: this. He's got brass balls after what he did yesterday. He
1: does. And sometimes he, <laughs> he, he they're, they're, so, they're so brass that he'll just drop an F-bomb <laughs> <right>? yes, <laughs> on, on live television. So I, I don't want to get in trouble there. Play me one of the other ones, Ty. Who said that? Oh, you had a little interaction with the student section. Yeah. Next drive, you scored that <laughs> touchdown. How much does that type of stuff kind of not only influence you and get you riled up but also the rest of the team knowing you're in a hostile environment?
3: Uh, I mean, it's fun. Like this, this is really what you play college football for. Uh, traveling to a to to an away game, you know the crowd is not gonna love you. So I mean, you just you just kind of embrace it. You know, it's 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 a lot of people who would kill to be in that position and to be hated like that. So you know, it, we don't take it lightly.
0: Who said that? Is that someone from Michigan?
1: No, A. D. Mitchell. That's a uh, deny. Yeah, one of the uh, the incompletions that he had, uh, what one of the targets that was incomplete for him, apparently it went out of bounds, and he ended up running like toward the stands and had a bit of uh, interaction with some fans in the stands. And Hello. They were, yeah, and they were like taunting him a little bit and talking some trash to him. And I don't know what he said. He didn't reveal that what he said. I hope and that's by like Corey Mose. Shout out to Corey Mose at KVU does a great job. Um, he didn't say exactly what he said, but apparently they motivate him because after that he got call a touchdown, but caught the game-sealing reception on third and 12 to seal the win for the Longhorns.
0: All right, Rod, you probably know this one because uh, whether you know his voice or not, the content will give it away. But who said this after a big win yesterday in the NFL?
3: Um, for me, I mean, um, it's a lot of prayer, a lot of just um, knowing that, man, God wouldn't put anything on me that I can't handle. Um, and um, it, I don't deserve his grace and his mercy, um, but he still gives it to me, and I love him for that because, I mean, it's nothing. it's not about me. It's about him. Um, In his glory so um i think that's where it comes from i think god made me like that i've been through a lot not only in football but um things that uh, made me just kind of chill during uh, when everything's going crazy um and i thank god for putting that on me because that's something that um put that in me excuse me um because that's something that 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 you need playing in this position is league um that that defense over there uh they didn't they didn't blink even though they were giving up big plays and things like that Um, they knew that it would come down to the wire we knew that too um, and I just went to D'Amico and let him know, man, like, I got you. Like, We're going to win this game. And he, he looked me right in the eye and said, I trust you. So um, uh, it's, it's amazing to have uh, trust in your head coach. And I'm a rookie and and my OC, Bobby, man. Like, uh, I think Bobby, when he gave him his flowers, he called a great game again, um, lean on his players and, and, and took risk. Um, and, and I appreciate him for even doing that.
1: Well, I know that is. That's my quarterback. That's quarterback. C.J. Stroud. Hey, That's right.
0: Hey, T.Y., can you play that other one from That's Stroud that uh, references Joe Burrow? It's a real short clip. Oh, I it, like this you. One this too. This is pretty good. Let's yeah. hear. Let's hear this on the way to
1: the top. Of, who said that? Well, I, I don't think I can get that one right now. All right, we'll get that coming up. Yeah, I heard it's that one. He's a classy. He's a classy young man. My my mother in law was listening to him after the game. She's like, he's such a class act. I'm like, yeah, he is. Considering following Deshaun Watson. You're damn right
0: he is. <laughs> that whole transition trade slash thing goes down as one of the best ever. Oh, man. I'd also say that uh, you know, he, he knew where he was, right? He was in Joe's house, and Joe's a Buckeye at one time mm-hmm. and proud son of Ohio, Joe That's Burrow. Because right.
1: mm-hmm.
0: Joe Burrow, when he's asked, you, you consider you went to Ohio State or LSU? He said, I went to Ohio State. I played at LSU. Oh,
1: <laughs> well done, Joe. Well done. Well said. I like that.
0: And you see yeah. Joe Burrow showed up to that game wearing his father's DFL quarterback jersey, Montreal Alouettes. Damn. His dad played quarterback in the, and he wore – And a, they lost? And they lost.
1: Damn. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> they ain't already. That's how big that was for <laughs> CJ and the Texans. That was big, man. It Because I think they thought there's no way we're going to lose to the Texans at home. <laughs>
0: Did you see how many yards the Cowboys offense put on the Giants yesterday? We'll tell you Woo. next on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby.